Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm excited to introduce you all today to a very special guest. He runs a company that you might have heard of called CrowdSpring, where 220,000 plus creatives help over 60,000 agencies, small businesses, large businesses, not-for-profits, people of all kinds with things like custom logo design, graphic design, web design, product design, and so much more. It is an incredible marketplace where you can get high-quality design and creative service outputs with without having to run through all of the stuff that you see on some of these other platforms. I'm I'm talking like the Upworks and so on, where you got to filter through so many people to get what you need. This is designed specifically for creative services, for creative projects, really cool company. And he's here today to share with us um, how they've innovated over the years and some of the impacts that using an elastic workforce can have on your agency. So with all of that, Mr. Ross Kimbarowski, thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks so much, Marcel. Happy to be here talking with you and uh, your listeners. Now, I, I think I want to drive home why what you're doing is so different than what people might experience in the other places where they might be looking for freelancers and contractors and ways to sub out their work or ways to even just get work done for themselves. What exactly does the process look like when, let's say, for example, Ross, I need you, I'm our I'm, I'm being hired as an agency to design a logo for one of my clients and we don't have the capacity. We're totally maxed out. We need to, uh, you know, go to CrowdSpring to get a solution. What does the journey look like when I get started on CrowdSpring? Pretty simple process. We built this process for small businesses and it doesn't vary for agencies or Fortune 50 companies or Fortune 500 that we regularly work with. Um, you go through a series of questions and answers. We have 33 project categories ranging from logo design to business names to web design, product design. But in logo design, we ask you some specific questions and, and as you answer them, we build a creative brief. Um, you could also attach any files and descriptions. And once you pick your price. So as I mentioned, pricing starts at 299 and, and we have uh, different kinds of packages for agencies. For example, we have a uh, what we called a, an elite package where you can work with five of our best designers. Um, all five get paid. Uh, so, so this is a slightly different model than, than, than most crowdsourcing projects. Um, the winner gets the bulk of the money. The others uh, get a portion as well. Um, you pick your favorite at the end. So we post this creative brief and we invite everybody in our community to work on your project. You pick the time frame, typically seven days, and you can extend it. And within a day or two, you start seeing custom designs to your specification. There's a iterative feedback process. You can comment on whatever you want. We have a, an award-winning platform that lets you leave f- feedback and, and uh, um, even, even illustrations on the designs. The designers can iterate and submit revisions. And at some point, you pick your favorite. We take you to a private room where there's a legal contract. So every project gets a legal written contract 
transferring the full rights of the design to you or your client. That's your choice. Um, you get proofs. So the first step is always proofs where you get to approve uh, the designs before you get all of the final files, vectors, PSDs, whatever your project category requires. When you approve the proofs, you go to the final files stage, you get final files, and when you approve those, we pay the designer, you get the files, there's a written legal contract. And if you need follow-on work, for example, you can work with the same designer or work with other designers. So very simple process. There's an alternative process where you can hire a designer directly one-on-one. -on -one. We have a lot of those projects too, but for a lot of agencies looking for variety, the regular crowdsourcing projects are pretty powerful because for you know, 300 bucks, 400 bucks, you can get a tremendous amount of choice that you just can't get elsewhere. And so when you get in front of clients, with a lot of high quality variety, uh, that looks impressive to clients. It sets you apart from everybody else. So there's a lot of things that I love about this. Obviously the ability to augment your team have, you know, this is essentially an elastic part of your workforce that you can now just kind of bolt on with CrowdSpring. But we were talking about use cases before we started the recording today. And one thing you shared with me that I thought was really brilliant was agencies that are using this in the pitch process to not only drive down the cost of, you know, creating a pitch or creating something for a client if they're in the competitive process, but also just getting more variety for less cost, which I think is awesome because of course we, uh, you know, are very nerdy about driving down the cost of estimating and scoping work. And I think this is another great hack that uh, agencies can use to do that. Um, what are some of the other common use cases that you see agencies have on the platform? So, so some agencies will use this for, for cyclical work. In other words, they may have a freelancer or two they work with. They may have somebody on staff. And sometimes those people have plenty of work and they just don't need any more help. But but there are times when you know a bunch of clients ask for design work at the same time and it's just not possible to, to deliver uh, that range of work. And so somebody may come to CrowdSpring and, and um, on those times when there's just too much work, grab some additional designs. We've seen agencies supplement their internal work. So they may generally present you know one or two, three designs to a client, but in order to present a, a, a more varied um, design system, they may ask uh, you know, CrowdSpring designers to help. And, and there's a good reason for that. So we noticed this trend that just didn't strike us when we started this business 13 years ago. You know, companies periodically go through this agency review process. And of course, bigger companies do this more formally, more often, but, but this is true for every company, regardless of size. And one reason that happens is there's a change in the company management. So there's a new CMO or there's a new head of marketing. Agencies working with a few freelancers tend to have a certain style and it may be a beautiful style, may work really well. The problem is that clients will often evolve and sometimes their style changes. And so if you're stuck at a pattern where you have really good designers, but you're presenting similar styles to clients that are starting to feel like those styles aren't evolving with their brand, you're putting yourself at a competitive disadvantage. And so agencies that recognize that will supplement their work with a project on CrowdSpring because then the client can pick from 10, 15, 20 different styles. And at the end of the day, from an agency's perspective, there's zero capital costs involved in, in supplementing that work. It's easy because they could pass through this work to the client. We actually built for agencies when we launched because we weren't expecting to work with agencies, but, but they became big clients. We built a tool that lets an agency 
white label a presentation site for a client. So they can pick the favorite designs and in a white label site with the agency branding, show their favorite designs and get clients to comment it. So it's a very seamless, easy way to do it. It's called presentations on our site uh, for agencies to share. Um, there are other reasons too. There are plenty of agencies who don't have design services. So it may be an advertising agency. It may be a marketing agency. Um, SEO agency that offer strategy, offer SEO help, offer marketing, you know, execution, but don't actually design these things. And here's the problem we see happens. Oftentimes, you are stuck as an agency using the client's assets. Most of the time, the reality is those assets suck. Uh, they're just not good. And so what happens when you run these campaigns as an agency and, and they don't get the results that you or the client hope, the client will look at you and say, it's your fault. Really tough telling the client, look, I get that, you know, this might not have worked as well as we wanted, but your design assets are just not strong enough. Your branding is weak. The materials you're asking us to work with isn't going to help lift our, camp our campaign. So what we tell agencies is there's an easy way using a tool like CrowdSpring for you to offer custom design services to your clients and create a much stronger brand, create much stronger assets for the campaigns that you're running. And instead of hiring designers directly, uh, paying for software licenses, buying computers, finding office space, you can just offload all of that and crowdsource it so that you're focusing on your core competency, strategy for strategy agencies, SEO for SEOs, and then outsource the other stuff. And that's how smart agencies have been able to scale laterally because i think it's really tough to take an agency who is billing x number of hours a year and say bill double the number of hours with the same staff people are going to die you can't you can't force people to work 4000 hours a year but it is much easier to scale laterally where you can figure out how you can present for clients a range of services like design that you don't have to staff that you can completely outsource. In fact, if people are interested, and you can add to the show notes, we put together a guide for how agencies could do this easily. They can add this level of service with, with copy, email content, marketing plans, and everything that you need to actually get into the space if you want to offer custom design services. And I mean, th this is an area that I want to kind of double down on for a moment, because we've talked about this on the show many, many times, right, about the value of niching down and operationalizing around your core service um, and it's it's something that's counterintuitive to a lot of agencies, right? Because you're you're getting asked to do everything under the sun, but of course, from an operations perspective, trying to do everything under the sun is going to cause indigestion in the agency. You have to have processes for these things. You have to have quality for control for all these things. You have the talent to do all these things. You need to have a process for selling and delivering those things. It adds a lot of operational complexity. And I think you know something like crowdspring is a great way to say, okay, we're going to focus on our core service. If a client asks us if we can do this. Other other thing, we can still say yes to that revenue without actually taking on the operational cost of having to build that entire service offering out inside the agency. Or if we're considering going in a direction, like if we, we'd say we want to start adding logo design to our service bucket, well, let's validate that using CrowdSpring without taking on all the risk of hiring people and then figuring out if we can sell enough of it to keep the team utilized. And I think that that's a really powerful idea is really de-risking, um, you know, testing out different service offerings, widening the net without incurring all the operational cost. Um, so I, I love that. I just wanted to comment on it. It's not really a question, Ross, but it's a comment. <laughs> 
I think it's absolutely true. At the end of the day, you know, I, I pay attention to this discussion of niche versus general, and I sympathize with both because, you know, the same holds true for lawyers, for doctors, for other professional services people. And, and the thing is, it doesn't have to be either of those extremes, as you just pointed out. You could still provide your core services, which you're great at, but supplement them with the other services that are essentially passed through to you where you can a make money on it but have some control over them you know having a client hire a freelancer who, who creates poor assets for you to work with as a marketer as a marketing agency an advertising agency or any other kind of agency puts you at risk because the client is going to blame you they're not going to recognize the other person created poor assets they're going to look at you and say well it's your strategy and so one clean way to get all of those conversations out of the way is to is to say give me a chance to to provide the strategy and to lift the brand too and there's another aspect of this that uh i want to dig into a little bit which is um the idea of fixing the cost you know this is something that i find very interesting about this model is you're able to fix the costs of a deliverable and of course uh when you're doing the work internally you can't do that. Uh, your your cost is going to be based on how much time it takes you. And generally, when you work with freelancers, it's harder to do that uh, because, of course, if you're fixing the cost, but the cost of that is continually exceeding what's reasonable for the freelancer, you're going to end up with a, a high friction um, relationship. But you guys have already taken care of that relationship. You've, I'm sure, worked out the kinks over you know sixty thousand plus projects, and or I'm sure it's hundreds of thousands at this point, where you know, as an agency, you can defer essentially the risk of the scope to the person that you're hiring through CrowdSpring. And you guys have already kind of established the system on the back end that makes sure that that's equitable and everyone's happy. And that agreement's already kind of managed by you. And I think that that's interesting because I've talked to a lot of people who try to get into these fixed cost per deliverable relationships with freelancers. And it's their way of kind of deferring, having to figure out how to scope the work properly, how to manage the work properly, how to properly brief the creative. And at the end of the day, it, a lot of times it ends up blowing up in their face. Um, so I like the fact that they get all the advantages of a, of a fixed cost deliverable without, again, having to manage the, the operational overhead of trying to do that one-on-one -on -one with a freelancer. It's actually even better than that. Uh, we we have a hundred percent money gar back guarantee on all projects. Now there are times when you can waive it, but but ultimately, from an agency's perspective, there's zero risk. There's zero risk to your agency. There's zero risk to a client. In design projects, it's a simple guarantee unless you waive it. And there are times when you might waive it. You might want to get more participants. Um, you you may have a more sophisticated product. So you want to attract the best people. But but. If you are not satisfied with the, any designs, you get 100% of your money back, including our fee. So from an agency's perspective who wants to experiment with this or who is looking to supplement what they're doing, zero risk at the end of the day. And, and this is why I think we became so popular so quickly with agencies. In fact, anecdotally, it's their clients that first started coming to us because agencies originally resisted. Uh, and the clients started coming to us directly. They figured, well, if we could do this without agencies, why would we pay the agency the additional money? And our response to that has always been, listen, your agencies are providing a variety of very valuable services to you, strategy, execution, uh, could be SEO, it could be copywriting, 
what we provide is design. So yes, you can get design directly from us. It would be best if you worked with your agency to have them source the design from us for these campaigns so they control them. And so when clients started coming to us, their agencies very quickly fouled and said, well, look, our clients are potentially going to bypass us and, and, and uh, just work directly. So let's figure out how we can leverage this marketplace to make ourselves, the agency, a more valuable partner to our clients. That is a pretty compelling <laughs> argument for giving it a try, isn't it? You get your money back if the work isn't up to snuff. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good case for saying, all right, well, why don't we even just do this in parallel with our next project and see if if what we get out of it is at the level that we need in order to deliver to our clients. And we feel good about it because, first of all, we heavily curate our marketplace. So we, we qualify each designer in every subcategory. Uh, we've had closed registration for over five years. We periodically reopen and let a group of people in and then do a, do a, a, a high-level review of, of all of their work. And then two to three times a year, for those that are active in our marketplace, we do a quality review uh, so that we make sure that the work they're doing is up to our standards. So in a sense, one reason we work with so many agencies and, and higher-profile big brands is because we take curation very seriously. We take intellectual property very seriously. My background as an IP attorney for 13 years before starting CrowdSpring uh, pushed us to create really strict intellectual property rules and enforce them from the very beginning. Legal contracts are part of that. You know, we're still the only marketplace in, in the world that gives you a custom legal contract for every project. So you don't have to spend another thousand dollars with an attorney trying to protect the intellectual property that you're buying. Um, it gives agencies a peace of mind and, and it's really a good way to scale laterally, particularly in this market that's putting a lot of pressure on agencies and their clients. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. With that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. Now, on that note, um, you know, there's probably a lot of people listening to this thinking like, how on earth uh, are you making money doing this? And I'm not going to ask you to expose the secret sauce, but I think what we know is this is the this is the the result of you spending a lot of time trying to innovate on every aspect of the platform, how the platform works, how briefs get created, how the legal contracts get created, including the business model in the back end and how you interface with freelancers and how those agreements are set up. And you shared something with me before we started, I think was really powerful was the idea that you've pushed innovation inside the company by really trying to disrupt yourself. I'd love for you to unpack that a little bit for our listeners, because I think it's a powerful idea that could be a catalyst for a lot of folks listening to really kind of take a different approach to reviewing their business the next time they sit down to do it. 
Sure, sure. Let me let me answer that. But let me first say that we're transparent with our business model. Uh, we're actually one of the only marketplaces in the world that are that are transparent about this. You know, as a client, exactly what you're paying the winning freelancer. You know, as a client, exactly what we're charging you because we tell you that. We tell you that when you post your project. We tell freelancers that they know how much we were paid. They know how much they were paid. We've done this from the day one because we didn't want to confuse either side. We wanted it to be completely transparent so people know going in what everybody would get paid. Our freelancers know that our 100% money back guarantee isn't just their award, it's our fees too. So so let me answer your question about competition because this is something that, that I learned early on when we started CrowdSpring. You know, companies will often, companies, agencies will often say, well, what can we do better? You know, how can we get more clients? How can we increase revenue? And I think that's a very small, simple question to ask. What we have asked from the very beginning, a couple times a year, if we were to create a company to compete with ourselves, what would we do? Not just differently, what would we do? And would we even do what we're doing? Because if the answer is we wouldn't, because we're in a market that either isn't growing or it's too complicated, we'd do something else, then the answer for us would be simple. We'd go do something else. And so we ask this question a couple of times a year, and that leads to a lot of conversations among the team about big improvements, not just incremental improvements. So 2015, we asked this question uh, and we said, you know what, we do pretty much everything differently. And the result of that conversation was to recode our entire platform, rebuild every marketing campaign, all of our marketing strategies, all of our marketing copy, rebrand, so literally change everything. Change many of our project categories, change the way the brief intake works, how we interview you, add new types of projects. So when I was talking about earlier about elite projects where, where everybody gets paid in a project, add a really strict reputation system based on um, a very complex algorithm that looks at quality. Uh, so we're one of the few marketplaces in the world that have an algorithmic reputation system so you know the quality of the work that somebody's creating. It's less important in our model because ultimately you see the actual work, you pick what you like, but it's important to us because we want to make sure that when a client picks a designer, they have the ability to rely on on timing, efficiency, communication, that the designer will follow through. Um, so we ask this question periodically and we respond to it. And I would suggest that agencies ask this bigger question too. If you were to, if you're, let's say in the in the marketing strategy space, and I mean, marketing is, is, is tough. Marketing in 2020, 2021 is extremely tough. The, the pandemic has put a lot of pressure on clients. Um, everybody's had to change the way they market how they market, um, the client base is changing with millennials and Gen Z becoming more prominent consumers and getting into leadership roles at these companies. So um, many marketing um, strategies that used to work for, for baby boomers, for, for Gen X are not nearly as effective anymore. Social is dominating much. So, so companies are, are often asking too simple a question, you know, how can I improve our social strategy 10%? Where, where I think the bigger question of the kind we ask is, you know, what would we do differently? Let's assume we could literally start with a whiteboard and instead of improving our social strategy for our agency, just start from scratch. You know, who would we employ? What would we do? Where would we focus our time? What kind of clients would we work with? What kind of creative assets would we put together? Would, would, would uh, content be as important? And is the content that would be important? Would it be content that we're creating now or something completely different? And, and that's an important series of questions. And then the other important piece, of course, is 
to actually do it. Right. You can't just keep asking these questions periodically and then and then say, well, we won't do it right now. So we actually, as a business, take these radical steps to compete with ourselves. We, we pay attention to competitors. You know, I think this notion of ignoring competitors is, is mo foolish for most companies because you need to know what's going on in the marketplace. Um, we pay attention to competitors. But the reason we've continued to out innovate them is that we have competed with ourselves. Uh, our competitors are not as innovative as we have been. And so. We can't ask, what can we do better than that competitor? Most of them are still catching up to what we did 10 years ago. But when we ask, what can we do differently to compete with ourselves is when we really think critically about improving. Yeah. And, and I think a big part of that um, comes from being operationally nimble. Um, and this is the interesting dichotomy about operations, right? Is like the the bigger generally an organization gets, I, I use ships as in the analogy, big companies tend to be like cruise ships and startups tend to be like uh, jet skis, right? They can pivot, they can move around a lot quicker, but they're not as stable, right? The, the changes in the market and stuff will, will rock them. They're, they're not going to be as consistent. But similarly, a cruise ship can't just turn on a dime and change direction like that. And so if you think about we're running a full service agency and we're trying to in-house do 100 different types of services, it's an operational nightmare. Um, you could probably be the same size and focus on one or two core services and have a great system for that and give yourself a lot more ability to add things, change things, pivot, adapt without having to change a billion different processes, right? In software, it's the same concept. Having a lot of features limits your your speed that you can iterate because it increases the surface area that a change is going to impact. It's going to increase the complexity of making a change in the product. Um, the same thing is true about your operations if you think about that in, in a similar way. So there's a lot of advantages to paying close attention to how your operations work at your agency in the context of having the ability to actually capitalize on opportunities when they come across your plate um, because you don't have to spend the next 12 months trying to like change the way that everything works or change all of these different systems. Um, so that there, there's, a, there's a big operations piece to this that I think often gets overlooked. Um, it's one thing to recognize opportunity. It's another one to put yourself in a position where you can actually capitalize on it. Absolutely. And that's the difference between nimble agencies that can adjust to market shifts as we're having right now and, and those that struggle. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So, Ross, we've talked about a lot of different things today, but this has been a really interesting conversation. Um, do you have any final words of advice for our listeners who um, are looking to stay on the bleeding edge and uh, keep their agency growing through 2022 and beyond? Yeah, I mean, I would I would say that having having worked at a professional services firm for for 13 years, two different firms, and and having worked with lots of agencies, it's not possible for any professional services firm, whether it's an agency, accounting firm, a law firm, to create exponential growth simply by hiring more people. You can't do it. Hours times hourly rate doesn't get you there. You have to think laterally. You have to think about ways that you can expand your product offerings within. A niche offering, you know, it, it's tough to be a full service agency, but as you said, expand your product offerings without capital expenses. Things like outsourced design give you a great way to do that without having to hire more people, without having to hire uh, more support staff. And, and that's a good way for agencies to stay ahead of the curve and find ways to get into new markets more quickly because you can focus on your core competency and the things you do great and then leave the other things, some of the you know execution of the assets to other people. Because at the end of the day, both are important. It's just really hard for most agencies to execute both directly unless you are you know, thousands of people and, and huge capital investments. Uh, and even those agencies struggle. 
Yeah, I I love that insight, and I think it's a powerful one, right? Like, even if you are in a niche space, let's say you're the you're the agency for you know legal uh, professionals, you can still get more share of wallet, right? Solve solve their problem in a more complete way without incurring all of the operational complexity that comes with that. Um, and of course, that's a powerful thing for increasing your average billable rate, et cetera, without putting all this pressure on yourself to keep your utilization super high because now you've got all this extra staff and you have to sell all of these services now that you're offering to your clients consistently enough to keep them utilized. Like it's, it's a real rat race if you set yourself up like that. Um, and it can be the reason that you struggle with cash flow. It can be the reason you struggle to scale. So I love this idea of understanding like what's our core, what are we going to build internally? And then what can we do to just like increase the average amount that we're spending with clients, give them a better, more complete solution, get them better outcomes and still have that um, be in service of our operational model. Um, so great insight. I love that. For everyone that wants to follow you, Ross, find out more about CrowdSpring and learn about the content that you're producing. Where, th- where can they find you on the World Wide Web? So CrowdSpring.com, C-R-O-W-D-S-P-R-I-N-G is our main site, CrowdSpring.com slash blog. We have a blog where we write a lot, including for agencies. Um, CrowdSpring.com slash agencies will tell you about our product offering specifically for agencies. And on Twitter, um, at Ross Kimborowski, um, you could get from the show notes how to spell my name, at CrowdSpring. Um, I actually run both accounts from the, so, so we're transparent in these kinds of things. You know, you'll see when you go to the at CrowdSpring account that, that, uh, I do the tweets. Uh, I think it's hard for people to connect with, with faceless corporations. So we've always, uh, wanted to, to be different in that respect. Uh, and LinkedIn, Ross Kimborowski. Pretty simple. All right. So I will leave links to all of those things in the show notes, including that guide that Ross mentioned earlier. So just scroll down to get access to those. And with that, Ross, I want to thank you for your time today and for being such a great guest on our show. Hey, my pleasure, Marcel. Great conversation. All right. And with that, everyone, uh, let us know wherever you're listening to this, what you got from today's episode. Let us know if you have questions or comments, and we will look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeta.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.